unloving. Second uh, Timothy three and, uh, and and verse three. Some translations simply say unloving, but the King James gets it right. It says without natural affection, because the Greek word here is astergus, astergus. Now there's several words for love in the Greek language. Eros is that erotic love that's between uh, a man and a woman. There's philos, where we get our word Philadelphia, which is love for our fellow man, our brother. There's agape, which is the kind of love that God wants us to have and the kind of love that God shows toward us. But there's another Greek word for love, and it's called storge. Now, storge is a Greek word that means love for family. It is a familial kind of love. And so the last days are characterized by a lack of natural love. In other words, mothers ought to love their daughters. Fathers ought to love their sons. Brothers ought to love their, their sisters. There ought to be a, a familial love. But we live in a society where people don't love their family members. They don't care. We read about young children trying to emancipate themselves from their parents and, and, and parents trying to disown their children and hiding themselves from their own flesh. You know, Satan has tried to attack the biblical family. He has, he has launched a relentless assault on the biblical family. The biblical family, folks, is one man and one woman who procreate and have children and raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And Satan has done everything he can to make everything else seem normal. However, the natural affection of the Bible is the biblical family. One man, one woman having children in matrimony, in holy matrimony. The, the next is truce breakers, people who will not keep their word, people who break their agreement. You know, it's a shame anymore, but anytime someone tells me they're going to do some work for me, I always question whether or not they're going to do it or not. Some of you are old enough to remember when a simple gentleman's agreement, some of you are old enough to remember when a simple handshake was all it took to know that somebody was going to do the job that they said they were going to do and that they were going to show up when they said they were going to show up. But now we live in a world where a man's word means nothing. His pledge is not his bond. We live in such a society. False accusers. The Greek word here is diabolo. Well, does that sound familiar? Well, it ought to because it refers to the accuser of the brethren, Satan. People are not afraid to, to slander other people. I read the nightly news and I, and I watch this stuff and I, I've learned to just turn it off anymore because I see that people, all they want to do is to offer up accusations against anybody and everybody. I would never want to run for any kind of political office. If I ever take a, the notion to run for any kind of political office, will you please slap me upside the head and say, Henry, what are you thinking? Because whenever you, hey, we're, about, we're in an election year if you didn't figure it out by now. And believe me, within the next six months or so, if Jesus tarries that long, you are going to see political ads that are going to be filled with slander to the likes of which you've never seen. And it's an abomination to God. False, false accusations. The next word is incontinent. Now, this is not talking about people with bladder issues. This is talking about a lack of self-control. We live in a, a society where people have cast off restraint. They refuse to exercise any kind of self-control. The motto is, if it feels good, you know, Nike, their slogan that they adopted was, was what? Just do it. Just do it. Don't worry about the consequences if it feels good. 
Just do it. Have it your way. Fierce. You know, we live in a, a society of brutality. Now, because of the riots in uh, the protest and the riots and the COVID-19, the murders have kind of taken a back burner. But, it, but, but not too long ago, in the not too distant future, distant past, you could turn on the nightly news and the first few stories that were leading in on every night was what? Somebody's being murdered. And it's not just happening in the big cities. It's happening in small towns. People are sitting now saying, we never thought it would happen here, but now it's come to our town. Do you know why? It's because we're living in the last days. That's why people are afraid. That's why we have to lock our doors. That's why we have to lock our cars up. It's because people are evil. Notice these signs of the last days. Notice that they all have to do with people. Paul's not talking about earthquakes. He's not talking about famines or pestilence. What's he talking about? He's talking about people. This is the spirit of the age, the spirit of the last days. Fierce. The next ones, they are despisers of those that are good. I am reminded of the words of the prophet Isaiah that God spoke through him in Isaiah 5. Woe to them that call evil good and call good evil. We live in a time in which if you hold conservative biblical views, you are called a narrow-minded bigot. If you, are, if you say that marriage is between one man and one woman, you are called a homophobic, intolerant hate monger. If you say that the Bible is the infallible word of God and that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, you are viewed as a foolish, incompetent, narrow-minded idiot. We live in a society that calls evil good and good evil. They're traitors. They're, they would betray one another. Now, Jesus said in the last days that brother would betray brother. You know, we're seeing the, the beginning signs of this. I saw a commercial not too long ago. Uh, I don't remember where it was, so, so I'm not going to speak too much to it. But they said, if you see someone not practicing social distancing, here's a number where you can call to report them. We're going to live in a society before too long where brother is going to be turning against brother for the sake of Jesus Christ. And I hope Jesus comes to get his church before we see that here. Traitors, heady. Now, we don't use that word heady a whole lot anymore, but the word heady means rash, impetuous, violent. Going headlong into a situation without thinking of the consequences. Does that sound like the world in which you live? Oh, yes. People are willing to just go headlong. All they need is just a little bit of a, a spark, and they'll, they'll go burn a flame. They'll ha start a flame burning. They're heady. They're high-minded. They think they know everything. There's a prophecy in Proverbs 30. It talks about there's a generation that is so lofty in their own eyes. They think that they know everything. You know, we've got a, a, a whole group of people now that is trying to reinvent history. They're trying to remove history and reinvent it because they think that they're smarter than everybody that's come before them. Let me tell you something, folks. We're not the smartest generation that ever lived. And Paul's going to tell us that in just a moment. Another problem is that they are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, these two, these two things are not mutually exclusive. You can love God and experience pleasure. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that at thy right hand, talking about at, right, at God's right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. People foolishly think that if you're a Christian, you can't have any fun. Let me tell you what. Since I got saved, I've been having the time of my life. 
I used to think I was having fun when I lived in sin, but that the, Paul says the end of those things is death. But now I'm experiencing true pleasure. The problem is not a pleasure, but it's a misguided love. Notice the, notice the love is misguided in these things. All right. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now here's the issue, folks. It's that these people are doing all of these things, but they want to maintain a facade of religion. You see, the last days are not devoid of, all, of religion altogether. However, it's a new age kind of religion. It's not the true gospel. It's not the truth of, of, of Holy Scripture. And that's why we have preachers that are afraid to preach the word of God. Because they want to tickle men's ears. Because they want to make merchandise of God's people. Because they'd rather draw a crowd than to please God. They'd rather, they'd rather curry the favor of people than to say, thus saith the Lord. God, don't let me ever be that way. And you pray for me. That I won't be. Paul says of these people. Notice what he says at the end of verse 5. He says from such turn away. Now I know you want everybody to like you. I enjoy being liked too. But the Bible says there are some that we cannot associate with. There are some that we cannot allow ourselves to be unequally yoked together with. And so, beloved, there are some folks that I will not share a platform and preach alongside of because they're not preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. These health and wealth guys who say if you come to Jesus Christ, you'll never have any problems. Who say if you'll just send your money in, that God's going to make you a millionaire and that everything's going to be hunky-dory. Listen, the story of Christianity is about a crucified Messiah. It's not a life of luxury. Now, in verses 6... Uh, Paul says that, that these, these individuals are going after the gullible. Gullible people will fall for this. In verse 7, he says, here's the problem. He says, they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. People say, well, the problem in our society is we need more education. No, we've got education out the wazoo. But people are dumber than they've ever been. No, I'm, I'm serious. We, people are dumber than they've ever been. There's more learning than there's ever been, but we have absolutely no common sense. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 8. If you've not read your Old Testament, this is going to seem like Greek to you. Now as Giannis and Yambras withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Now the Old Testament, now he's referring to the magicians that resisted Moses during the days of Exodus when Moses stood before Pharaoh. Now, the Exodus account does not give us their names. And so this is a, revela a revelation here, a mystery that's been revealed here in the New Testament. Their names are Giannis and Yambres. And if you know the story, Moses, threw, the first thing he did is he threw his, his rod on the ground, and it became a serpent. Well, the magicians copied that. Then he struck the water with his staff, and the water became blood. And Giannis and Yambres were able to do that too. And then Moses brought upon the plague of the frogs, and frogs came out. Giannis and Yambres did that too. But then, uh, then Moses and Aaron brought forth the lice. It's kind of disgusting to think about. But once it got to the lice, then they were not able to do it anymore. They were not able to match wits. They were not able to match skills with Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And the same is true here. They're not going to be able to. In verse 9, their, their folly shall proceed no further. It might seem, folks, like evil is going to win, but I promise you, in the end, evil will not prevail. I have read the end of the book, and I know from the book of Revelation that we win. <laughs> that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. One day, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of Christ. Verse 10. 
Paul says, but you've known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. You know, Paul says, you know what kind of man I am, Timothy. You've watched me. And he says in verse 11, you know what kind of trouble I've had. He said, there was trouble that came to me at Antioch. What happened to him in Antioch in verse 11? Well, the Bible says that he was cast out of the city. <laughs> him and Barnabas were kicked out of the city. What happened to him at Iconium? Well, the scripture says that they were ready to stone him at Iconium. Then we get to Lystra in the end of verse 11. What happened to him at Lystra? The Bible says Paul was actually stoned and left for dead. And God raised him up from, from death. Now, he says, out of them all the Lord deliver me. You know, the Bible never promised that Christians would not suffer. There's a promise. Have you ever seen those little book of Bible promises? By a, a little book full, contained full of Bible promises. I guarantee you most of them don't have verse 12 in there, but it's one of God's promises. Yea, all who would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you live for God, you ought to expect trouble. You know, when I get worried, see, we've got it all backwards. When we have trouble, we start worrying. Oh God, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why am I going through all this trouble? What we ought to do is worry when everything's going right, when we don't have any opposition. Because the Bible says we're engaged in warfare. The, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And we're fighting against principalities and spiritual forces of darkness. Verse 13 tells us that we should not expect a utopia. I know that some people believe that, that the world is going to become a golden age. you know, And that we're going to somehow, someday, cure all the diseases in the world and fix all the world's problems. But look what it says in verse 13. It says, evil men and seducers shall grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So listen to me. We're living in the last of the last days, and as we get closer to the imminent return of Jesus Christ, deception is going to get worse and worse. Evil is going to abound. I, you say, well, Henry, that's depressing. Well, it would be if this world was my home. But you see, the word, this world is not my home. And Jesus said, when you see these be things begin to come to pass, he doesn't say have a pity party. He says, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. So as I see the, the world getting worse and worse, yes, I hate to see it that way, but I have to remind you of a certain truth, beloved, that this world is not your home. Paul says that your citizenship is in heaven from whence we look for the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says we're just strangers and pilgrims passing through. And he tells Timothy to continue in what he knows. And in the last few verses, I'm just going to sum it up here. He says, the only way, Timothy, you're going to survive is if you put all of your confidence and all of your faith and all of your trust in the unshakable truth of the Word of God. Notice what he says in verse 16. He says, all Scripture. You know, in the Greek, that word still means all. <laughs> that means from Genesis to Revelation. All scripture has been breathed by God. This, this Bible, graduates, those of you who received a Bible today, hold on tight to it. Lean on it when you go through difficult times because this book is a book unlike any other. This book is a living book. And the author of this book lives inside of you. What an amazing thought. And if you will find yourself, get along with God and and read and saturate yourself with the word of God. Paul says this about Timothy. He says, you will be thoroughly furnished or equipped unto every good work. So class of 2020, I give you a charge this morning. I give you a charge. Stay in the word of God. 
You're going to go into, a, uh, into colleges and universities, and they're going to try to convince you that all of these other ide ideologies are the truth. They're going to try to convince you that man did not, was not created by God, but that he was uh, created, that he was simply evolved from an amoeba, that he evolved from monkeys and apes. And the Bible says that that's foolishness, that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They're going to try to tell you that there is no absolute truth. And I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus Christ said on the authority of his word, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So stay in the word of God. And I wish you all the success in the world. Now, for those of you here who don't know Jesus Christ, those of you who are watching, if you don't know the Lord, I want to ask you, do you know what time it is? The things that I just read, does that sound familiar to you? Well, it ought to, because the very headlines from the news are coinciding with the prophecies of the Bible. We are living in the very days that God predicted. And it's not a time to be fearful. It's a time to, to rejoice because the Lord Jesus is coming again. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you stand condemned. And you are going to face the wrath of God at the white throne judgment. You will give an account for every deed you've ever done, good, bad, and ugly, and everything you've ever said. And I promise you, your bad deeds are going to outweigh your good deeds. I don't care how good you think you are. There is one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. There are no exceptions. You have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted in every way, just like we are, yet without sin. He died on the cross God raised him from the dead on that third day. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And he is here now calling men and women to repent. That is the call today to repent and to call on the name of the Lord. If you're a Christian and you've been away from the Lord for too long, now's not the time to be playing games. Get right with God. Get in the Word. Get on your knees. And the message, the message of Jesus. You know, I was, I was struck by this, and this is the last thing I'll say. When Jesus began his first his, his, his ministry, after John the Baptist had baptized him, you know Jesus' message that he preached when he began his ministry? It was one word, repent. You know what his last words to the church were? To the church of uh, Laodicea, the last words to the church were this, repent. And I'll leave you with that thought, Brother Ronnie.